So yeah. there's so many things that the universe does when you just lean into it. Yeah. And I just, I'm happy that I just said yes to a lot of these opportunities and just kind of grow from where I'm at. Welcome back, or simply welcome to our new listeners. This is Working Wife, Happy Life, and I am your host, Bethany Baines. I have been thinking a lot about why when we know certain things aren't good for our mental or physical or emotional health, why is it that we keep doing them? Like this can go for anything, toxic foods, toxic habits, toxic relationships. It's not like we suddenly unknow what we once knew to be true, yet we all self-sabotage in some way. Like, for example, I know it's terrible to look at a screen right before I go to sleep or right after I wake up, but I do it anyway. It's a bad habit. It's curiosity of what could have possibly happened in the last few minutes or hours. Um, I don't know. But I read something about this habit again last night, about 11.30 p.m., while in bed, on my phone, with my laptop right next to me. No bueno. However, we cannot be perfect, so rather than be cruel to ourselves... Let's learn today about how to create better dedication along with better mental, physical, emotional, and financial health. I cannot think of a better way to do that than with today's guests. That's right. I said guests. A working wife, happy life first. I had so much fun sitting down with this dynamic and inspirational power couple, my friend, personal trainer, and physical fitness expert, Elise Young, founder of Elise's Body Shop, and her wife, personal finance expert turned coder, Carmen Perez, founder of Make Real Sense. Elise and Carmen share so many insights about grit and determination, both as individuals and as entrepreneurs, as well as their tips on navigating the evolution of their relationship while being driven professionally and staying true to themselves. We discuss Carmen's road to financial freedom, working her way out of crippling debt while unwinding the habits that led her there. We discuss Elise's insatiable passion for physical activity and what it means to her since her earliest years on this earth. And then frankly, we also talk about how risky it is for couples to teach each other any form of physical sport. This conversation was so great and it was so insightful. There's so many more things I wanted to uncover with these two. Take a listen to this power-packed conversation with Elise and Carmen. Listen, thank you guys so much for being here. So I'm so excited to sit with Elise, who I feel like I've known for years, who's taught me so much about exercise and fitness and your dedication with everything that you do and bring to the community at Google for her classes that are always filled with lots of sweaty Googlers, but she somehow (laughs) makes room for me every time. Always. And her wife, Carmen, who I just met today and feel like I have known through Instagram and all of our stories. Yeah, I know. (laughs) so lame. It feels like real life, though. It does. In some ways, I feel like it's okay. Other ways, I feel like it's terrifying for humanity. But in this case, I feel like it's okay. Yeah, it's not creepy. Yeah. I don't know how else our like paths would have crossed if not for that. Um, But you are also an entrepreneur and have started your own financial journey, which I'm so excited for you to share with our listeners and are recently now into the world of tech. So I feel like you have tons of insights from your time with finance and your time with tech. Um, but I think for both of you, particularly being entrepreneurs and kind of living your, you know, your, your mission and your passion, because both of these things seem to have spoken so much to you guys in, in your lives. And I would just love to hear from each of you just kind of how this came to be and how you knew that this was your calling. Ooh. Um, so I guess for me, this is Elise, by the way, um, <laughs> part, she's the fast one. <laughs> <laughs> Slow me down. Uh, for me, I've always had this love for sports. So when I was a kid, it was always an outlet for me. It was a place where I felt myself. I felt comfortable in my skin, which was a process to grow into. So sport was my home, essentially. Um, and with that, I always wanted to spread more knowledge and passion around that. When I went to school, I just wasn't sure exactly what the next step looked like. Mm-hmm. And I actually just kind of fell into fitness. When I graduated, I, pl- <clears throat> I was a student athlete. So 
what I knew was working hard and working hard within an athletic field. So when I graduated, that's kind of how I fell into personal training, which turned into group fitness, which turned into the social media side. And I always just wanted to spread my knowledge, spread my passion, spread what it did for me yeah. uh, to as many people as possible. So that's yeah. kind of how it all started. And then I think we've talked about it before. You kind of fall into it almost by accident. And then you just you decide to step into it and run. And yeah. that's kind of what I've done at this point. And take like the opportunity. What was your, your sport? I played basketball. Basketball. So you played at high school and collegiate level? Yes. I played at Fairfield University in Connecticut. Woo-woo. Yeah. Um, Connecticut, the was... little state that could. <laughs> I grew up there, so I feel like I could throw yes. a little. There's a lot of charm. Yeah. A lot of charm. Yeah. So. It's a, I grew up in the northwestern part of Connecticut. It's a little little different. It's a little quiet. That could. It's very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and how did your like journey in finance begin? Because you were in that world in Wall Street and obviously had some personal um, struggles with str- finance. <laughs> you said it. Your words, not mine. <laughs> um, no, I would love to hear. Yeah. So for me, the journey like with creating the platform that I created as far as it relates to money and millennials, um, that happened kind of organically, but just stumbling around in the dark as it relates to like working in finance for so long. So I worked in finance um, down on Wall Street in different firm investment firms for over the past 10 years. And then um, during that time, I was just trying to figure out why I was really crappy with money. I don't know if we can curse on here, but... Yeah, you can curse. (laughs) Doors open. Go for it. Doors open. Just really shitty with money and just not having like just the best or not having any kind of foundation as it relates to like personal finance. So I was like great with like not other people's money because I wasn't an advisor, but um, just great in understanding finance in theory. But just in practice, it was completely different animal. We don't know how to like start 401k. We aren't taught like how to open a 401k account in high school and like why you probably shouldn't borrow against your 401k because for all the tax reasons um and just different things so my like the way that I stumbled into creating this platform was really just through all of the terrible mistakes that I was making behind closed doors and then I just wanted to say as I tell everybody like I was a sacrificial lamb um (laughs) when it comes to just putting all of my business out there because I think it's like for the most part, I think a lot of generations before us, have it's been very taboo to talk about money. Totally. Um, particularly for women. Yeah. Per- particularly for women. So I think that's kept a lot of uh, uh, things we haven't been able to access, right, as far as negotiations for salaries as, yeah. as women. Um, locked out of a lot of different conversations that we should be having. Uh, so I stumbled into this platform as far as like creating something where you can be super transparent because I know other people are drowning. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it just wasn't me. Um, and that just happened like organically. I started sharing my story and then people were like, hey, can you give us advice on X, Y, and Z? And I was like, you're asking me? Like, yeah. <laughs> I spoke at American Express last week and it was like surreal because oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, you're asking someone that had a terrible credit score a couple of years ago to come and speak to a large group of individuals. This is like, I kind of figured this out on my own and stumbled around in the dark. And, but that's I, why it's so relatable. Right. right? By putting that story out there. That's yeah. where, you know, the whole platform took off. And in, <laughs> so, in some ways, both of you are this kind of, you're both millennials, right? Yes. I'm just assuming yeah. the age that I know Elise is, but Everything we hear about millennials and the way that it's talked about both in the corporate world and the media, et cetera, like there's this sense of, um, and I'm vast stereotype here, but this entitlement, this, this lack of grit, you know, and you both have these stories that are so personal to like, whoa, that was really hard for me. That really made me grow. So now I'm going to go share this with everybody else or wow, I made some huge mistakes and I don't want anybody else to make those mistakes. So how do I prevent folks from doing that? And like, it's very, you guys are both very open to being vulnerable. Do you see yourselves in that role? Is that what attracted you to one another? Did this like happen Ooh. together? Great question. Oh, thank you. Dimes. I pride myself dimes. on some good questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think for me personally, it, it, yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> <go>. <laughs> money, 
<laughs> money being so taboo in society still, um, no matter how much we're trying to progress the narrative, I do find myself being very vulnerable and I'm still subject to a lot of criticism because it's like, give the people what they want to hear. It's just all these numbers and all this transparency, but then you put that out there and then people still get pissed. It's like, well, she, you know, made a lot of money or she was making these mistakes and I didn't do any of that. So it's, it's tough. Cause I have to, Oh, so many people that didn't have your exact story will pick apart your oh, story. A thousand yeah. percent. Or even if it's like, I, well, I can't relate to you because of X or, you know, well, I never got sued. So I don't know if I can sue. I got sued for my student loan, by the way. Um, it's a thing. Wait, you got <laughs> we're sued. past it. We're on the other yeah, side. Right. We are clean. It's no, a real thing. A, that is a real thing. So, so yeah, putting that out there, a lot of people are like, well, you know, I can't relate to that. Like, I'm I'm good with money. I don't really have any debt. I just have my student loans. It's like, well, that's still debt. That's a huge yeah, amount of debt. That's debt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I feel super vulnerable. And maybe that is what attracted me to Elise because it's putting that out there was very tough. Again, we're talking about a topic that is extremely taboo. It's like, what are the three things you don't talk about? Money, religion, and, and politics. Politics. Yeah. Good luck with that <laughs> these days. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Elise, how do you, you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think a huge part of my platform is based off of things that I know I needed at a certain time in my life. Mm. So whether that's transparency in the LGBTQ community, if that's really efficient workouts to someone being comfortable with broad shoulders, whatever that is, mm. I relate to giving that to others because it took me so long to get to a place where I wanted to share that, where I felt comfortable in the skin I am. And now I'm like firmly standing on the ground, very comfortable in who I am, minus the cankled conversation we had earlier, yes. but just firmly. <laughs> no one can get past that. <laughs> I only wear long leggings, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. Um, just kind of absorbing everything that I know I needed at, at different stages, whether that was at 13, whether that was 16, 25, whatever that looks like, and kind of just bringing that to a wider audience. Yeah. So with finding that truth in myself, I think it's important to share that mission. I think that's why, you know, Carmen is so relatable. And I tell her all the time, like, people are naturally attracted to her energy. And that could just be when she says hi, when she walks into a room, she's engaging she's captivating she's smart she has a Tell lot to offer yeah see uh, maybe this is how wait, we connected are you guys still newlyweds because <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I do and I do think a lot of my clients that I attract a lot of clients I befriend you specifically Bethany like are always strong female forces mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised that I'm married to someone like Carmen I'm not surprised that you and I connected I'm attracted to that energy and I think that energy is just needs to be spread more and if I have a gateway to you know, 200,000 people on social media, I'm going to use it for that reason. Yeah. And you've posted about that a lot mm -hmm. in, in terms of, you know, most of your feed is around uh, workouts. And for anybody who's not following Elise, I'm telling you, they are like daily posts of <laughs> things you can do when you're in the tiniest of hotel rooms <laughs> in like random parts of the country or things you can do with your children or things you can do as a family or things you can do after a run. Like, you have such a variety and such an approachable way of, of training people. Um, but there's parts of your feed that are also very personal. And I would imagine as a brand, you have to, you know, navigate through that and what you're comfortable with and what right. you're, you know, willing to expose and, and what risk is that to you as a business? What risk is that to Carmen as her business right. and her career? Um, how do you grapple with that? I'd say or how I do you approach it? Yeah, no, for sure. When I first started the page, I mean, it literally started by accident. It was a friend who said, hey, I need workouts for the 5K I'm running. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just put stuff on Instagram, I guess, and then figure it out. And I noticed the growth. And when I first started, I wasn't comfortable with sharing that part of my story, although I did, because I did mm -hmm. think it was important. You know, I come from a divorced family with, you know, an alcoholic parent. So, like, the journey to this place, even Same as a here. kid. <laughs> there we go, girl. <laughs> so, like, that whole journey, it's not something I forgot, but, like, that's another element of who I am. Yep. Which comes through on my feed, I think. And I used to laugh because I would write something really personal and it wasn't anything crazy. And I would just, I would take my phone and just set it and I'd press post and I'd throw my phone on the bed and literally walk out of my room for about an hour like because I was too embarrassed. Yeah. I didn't want to see the comments. I didn't want to know how it was being received, although I know the universe needed it. Yeah. But now as I've gotten more comfortable with it, as I've kind of just stepped into more of who I am and whether that's through therapy or long walks or a good conversation, whatever that is, I'm more comfortable sharing that because I know it's being received on the other side in a positive way. Yeah. And it's just the ability for somebody who 
was like you 10 or 15 years ago, sitting there struggling and saying, like, I don't know if I can share this part of me. Will I still be loved? And we can all relate to that, right? Like, there's this really ugly thing that I did or this really ugly thing that I thought or said or this really core part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I bring that to bear, are people going to love me? And it used to be a very personal and private thing, right? It'd be your friends. It'd be Mm -hmm. your school. It'd be your work. Um, Now it's literally anyone. can be brought into that world. And how do you think of that, Carmen? Is that something that you guys talked about as a couple before you went down that path? Is it something that you, you know, because it it does bring you into her, you know, following from the fitness perspective. Um, No, I think it's great. I I mean, we, from the fitness perspective, whenever she opens up outside of that, because really a lot of people go for the motivation and just her energy and obviously the videos, of course, right? But then there's all that that soft side that when she posts very um, personal posts, um, whether that be like about us or her journey, um, I think that when she does that, I mean, it's it's really more sort of organic. And then she says, "Hey, uh, there's this post up that I you know put up that she's just opening up about." So yeah, um, I think with that, like the only issue that she really outside of like. Uh, some just nasty trolls, right? Yeah. There's, it just happens. It exists. Um, I know there's like a big element of the LGBTQ uh, plus like that realm that sometimes she hits a brick wall with. Um, and I don't know if you can. Yeah. What do you mean you hit a brick that. wall? Yeah. I mean, when we've addressed it and I've, we talk about it at, at length, just going back to what Carmen said, it's, we keep ourselves pretty separate combined, I guess you could say, in terms mm-hmm. of our platforms. Yep. You know, we don't, we're not going to run by and be like, hey, I'm going to share this. And unless it's like a money conversation or something, like everything that's on there is stuff that we've already discussed. Yep. So then it's public. I'm not going to be like, oh, I had this conversation at work and I'm going to share it. And then I'm going to tell Carmen I shared it after I shared it too. Like that's not mm. how it operates, yep. nor should it ever operate like that. And just in regards to like the LGBTQ uh, conversation, I always laugh because when we post photos and whatever, which is very rarely the engagement will be off the charts. Engagement as in likes, comments, followers, yeah. all that stuff. That will just be through the roof. It'll be three, four, five times what my normal videos are. Interesting. But I will, because yeah. the people connection? Is that I what mean, it is? I mean, people love Carmen. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> we've already established that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just like that realness, that rawness. And yeah. I also do think a high percentage of my followers are part of that community. So it's something relatable. They're like, oh, there's a trainer. And oh, the trainer with the videos. Oh, the trainer with the videos is also married to a woman. Yeah. This is cool. But with that, you know, like Carmen said, there's a lot of trolls. So there's people who will be like, nasty, where's the husband? And you're like, oh, snooze, delete. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even pay it any mind anymore. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. That first couple of times, it's got a sting though, right? Uh, the first couple of times, yeah. And then after that, I'm like, this is so wild. It's like, yeah. It's, just silly. it's such a weird I'd rather be window thrown on into, me than yeah. anyone else. But with that, I end up losing at this point. I think the last time I posted something, which was maybe your birthday or something, I lost up to like 4,500 followers within Holy crap. 20, 24 hours. Like we hate just her birthday. Like yeah, <laughs> that birthday of hers. <laughs> Where's my push-ups? <laughs> like just like completely. I don't want to see anything about a birthday. <laughs> she dates people. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So and and I watch it and I'm not, you know, it's twofold, right? I watch it because one, I'm I'm really hands-on with my analytics because I'm a business and a, a yeah. A portion of my business is on social media. So I watch it for that reason. But I also watch it because I'm just so curious as to what that is, you know. Yeah. And I think I do think the last time it was close to like 5,000. I went from like 212,000 to like 207 within a day. And That's- I was just, I was blown away. Yeah. So I'm not saying it keeps us from posting or talking about it because no, I'd rather just- those people be there for a reason. But you can't help but be like, Wow. Yeah, this is wild. And the same thing happens on Carmen's page. But I also think the way I've seen you post about it is to say like, hey, I am going to probably lose followers Mm -hmm. and that doesn't matter to me. This is what matters to me is for me to be truthful, for me to create this safe space. And like that is having way more impact on the rest of the community and potentially even people who would have unfollowed you to think twice and be like, why am I reacting this way? Um, I think that's a really powerful, powerful tool. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. Carmen, I want to hear if you would share a little bit of your story because I was obviously stalking you. And um, that's what social media is for. We are Instagram friends and now real life friends. So (laughs) it's no more stalking. (laughs) Um, What was your story? So first of all, getting sued for your student loans. It sounds like 
you owe me money and now you're just going to owe me even more money on top of that money. That's got to be a pretty scary moment. It was moment. frightening and I didn't really have much in the bank. Um, so just like to before we even fast forward to that, yeah. in 2016, it was like, hey, Elise, I want to get out of debt. <laughs> Do you want to come on this journey with me? Um, and that's so like, you guys were already together yeah, at this yeah. time. Well, and that was 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't like get out of debt on your own if you are with someone. You really have to make sure they're on board with you, which is it, those can be pretty tough conversations, whether you're married or you have a long term partner. Like it's just something that you have to discuss. Um, so I said, hey, I want to get out of debt. She was in full support of it. And after that process started, I started, you know, getting on a budget and putting everything together. And the universe was just conspiring with me just to do great <laughs> things. And then three months in, bam, I get sued. And I had like three less than $3,000 in my bank account oh, God. Um, for a $30,000 student <sighs> loan. And that was probably one of the scariest moments of like, no, well, just the most stressful, not scariest. Uh, stressful moments of my life. Um, yeah. just well, to you're, get also, you're like trying to like stand yourself up yeah. and then to just get like knocked down. To like get that. knocked yeah. down. And I, you know what? And I tell everyone now, like, especially when they're trying to get out of debt, I was like, the universe is going to do everything possible to make sure you really want to do this and you're not going to go back to that place that you were in. Yeah. So early on, you're going to get hit with something that's going to like knock you off your feet and you're going to feel really discouraged about. But if you can power through that, then that's when the transformation will happen and you will you leap years beyond where you were, you know, with your debt. Yeah. Um, so I feel that, like that could apply to anything, anything. right? Like weight really. loss, career, debt. Yeah. It's crazy. Anything. It's just saying yeah. like I, I'm a big firm believer in the universe and it's like, hey, if you really want to do this, if you really want, if you're saying that you want to get out of debt, I'm going to challenge you up front. Yeah. Because, you know, I could have paid off my debt in like a year. I'm not saying that I had the money, but it's example paid it off in a year, and then just backslid into my old habits. Right, because that's super common. Yeah, it's yeah. very common. So I think getting sued was, <laughs> in retrospect, just like a crazy, crazy thing. Um, but uh, so I got sued, worked really hard to get out of all of that, and basically took two years, nine months for me to get out of debt um, that had included car loans, collections. Uh, majority of it was student loan accounts. Um, but by by doing that, my credit turned around. That was incredible for me and Elise. <laughs> my now my great. credit's great. <laughs> yeah. um, we were able to save like a, a bunch of money for me to be able to quit my job uh, after I had gotten out of the debt because that was kind of keeping me chained to, to my desk and, and working in finance in a place in position that I didn't necessarily want to be in anymore. Um, and then that allowed me to shift gears after getting out of debt, saving the money, uh, allowed me to switch gears and get into tech. Yeah. coding, uh, something that I wanted to try my hand at and I love. So you found, it's interesting, by paying off debt, it sounds like such a restrictive life plan, but you actually found more freedom from going through that process. So the, it opened up so many more doors. The closer I got to becoming debt-free, the more my options just just fell before my eye. Like just yeah. open, Everything just opened up. It just seemed so much clearer. But before then... And it got to a point with my job in finance, like that I just I wasn't having a good time. I wasn't happy. She could mm. at least could tell that I was a different person during the week. Mm. I was always stressed. Um, so once I the closer I got to getting out of debt, the better and just clearer my vision became. And I was like, I can do so many more things after this. Yeah. I might not have any money just yet, but I can do so <laughs> no, many but more it's things. Coming, I'm not right. tied to yeah, I'm not tied to this job anymore because I have student loans to pay. I have, you know, my car payment to make. Um, so everything just kind of opened up after that, if that yeah. makes any sense. No, it does. And I think it's such a huge indicator of mental health, like both of what you guys do in terms of physical health and financial well-being and how that ties into the way you show up every day and the way you get excited about your life or the way you feel like your options are endless has that been a big driver to kind of what you guys have worked to build? Um, yeah, I would say absolutely. Like, I think that the more options that you have in front of you, the, just the more fulfilled life is. You just seem like the the possibilities seem endless mm -hmm. um, when you're able to kind of put yourself in this position. And it's not like other people. It's like I created this. I did this on my own. And yeah. it really, I went through the struggle. I struggled through it. I have figured it out. And now, like... I'm on the other side and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. You know, now I'm doing something that I absolutely love. 
Um, I get to show up in jeans. We're listening to R&B and rap music in the, the office. Dogs are coming Tech's in. Tech's a little different yeah, a little than different. finance. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have always done this. But, you know, it, it took 10 years of me grappling with something that I didn't care for. And, you know, in retrospect, sometimes I do look back and regret a little bit because it's like, oh, I just wasted 10 years. But um, someone else just pointed out to me recently, you know, that 10 years got me to uh, the position that I'm in today mm-hmm. because the kid saw me in one of the Forbes, Forbes articles about quitting my job after, you know, saving a bunch of money and getting out of debt. And, and that's because he worked in finance, um, and did the same thing and oh, awesome. we connected that way. And that's how I got a job in tech. Oh, that's amazing. So it's not, you know, I was like, Oh, maybe I don't regret it then. Yeah. I just wish it didn't take 10 years. Yeah. It's one of those things, right? Like, are there things you would have done differently? Or do you feel, you know, going back to the universe? Because I always have that thing. My grandmother used to always say that deja vu was a sign that you're on the right track. Mm. And so I always have that, like, you know, are are regrets in the moment just an indication that you don't quite know where you're going yet? You know? Wow. We just got deep on this podcast. (laughs) A lot of pausing. Super soul. Yeah. (laughs) But it's true. It's like it... I'm curious your opinion. Go ahead. No, I think, I mean, we've even talked about it. It's like where I stand is where I am kind of situation. And I think so much of where we are currently is obviously based on all the decisions we've made in the past. So I'm not going to say I regret going here or not going here. There are some things that I wish career wise, maybe I didn't stay in because I felt like it was the right decision. I felt really secure at this one place. and I didn't feel like I should branch out to go one-on-one more and do more like in-home training, which is what I primarily do now and, you know, teach group stuff. So there's all these like little small things, but I do think along the journey, and I've been in fitness 11 years now, I was always learning from every step I took around me. And that would be from clients, conversations to how I felt when the alarm goes off at 410 each morning, like what that looks like. It's not all the time, but it's pretty consistent. Thanks for Carmen when, for putting up with that alarm. I was going to say, when you can sleep <laughs> in, can you anymore? <laughs> At 10. Oh, when I sleep in, I sleep till, I sleep like 13 hours. Yeah. Oh, so you can still do that? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> youth, youth may be on your side, my friend. Okay. <laughs> but I just think it's no surprise that I'm standing and sitting for this point where I am because yeah. of the decisions I've made to this point. You know, and I just think I always followed what I wanted to do, what my passion was, which was help people live healthier lives that are full of balance. So I just continued to pursue that. And I just did full throttle, I guess you could say. So it put me in a position where now I have, you know, the awareness, the balance, the lifestyle that I want and something I wake up happy to do every morning. You know, I may get tired around 3 p.m. or whatever that looks like. But to me, like work excites me. Being around people excites me. I'm charged by people's energy. I love hearing, hey, I wasn't doing that a week ago. Now I'm doing it now. So yeah, of course, there's like going to be a couple things I can think of that maybe I was like, oh, I could have done this differently. But those open different doors. And yeah. I'll never forget one of the specific ones, which actually landed me at Google was I think I was in D.C. Carmen and I were on a weekend trip and I was going um, to L.A. from D.C. on a Sunday night and a red eye for an Adidas uh, event. And I remember having this moment of like, I don't want to go to JFK right now. I don't want to go to JFK right now. I don't love to fly. Like there's so many things of disruptive to my schedule that I just didn't want to do. But I was like, you just got to go. You just got to go. So I went and it was this whole retreat in California. It was amazing. It was awesome. And I happened to just be having breakfast in the hotel by myself. And I sat across from this guy. And he's like, I want to introduce you to someone. Anyways, fast forward, he introduced me to the head of fitness at Google. And she was like, I have an opportunity for you in New York. And that was three years ago. And now Google is a place where it's like, I'll call a second home, right? Yeah. And it's also put me in front of you. So yeah. there's so many things that the universe does when you just lean into it. Yeah. And I just, I'm happy that I just said yes to a lot of these opportunities and just kind of grow from where I'm at. Yeah, that's, I mean, first of all, I love that that's the story that brought us together, but it's also that like instinct and like Mm -hmm. you talked earlier, at least about being comfortable in your own skin. And it's like, you have to be comfortable in your own gut too, because there's things that you don't want to do. And on an earlier episode, we were talking about, you know, sometimes there's shit that like. I just don't want to do. And you know what? I'm a big girl and I don't have to do it. So like, I'm going to make that call right now, or I'm going to cancel that trip because it's not important. And like your instincts to what is going to be the value is so critical there. And, and the ability to like be open to it, right? Like you didn't order breakfast into your room. You went down and sat to breakfast. He said he wanted to introduce you to somebody. You took that meeting. Like 
all of these things lead to more doors and more options. Um, I think you shared with me, Elise, a story about like your basketball career. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's a team sport. And I think team sports versus individual sports are very different. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, but also like what, what grit did that teach you as you went from your high school into your collegiate yeah. career? Uh, so, I mean, I was born with a basketball in my hands, essentially. My dad played basketball through college. He was drafted in the 1979 NBA draft. Like, he was a stud, and he's <laughs> six foot ten. So he's Holy also shit, huge. massive. Wow. I'm 5'6". Um, so basketball was just <laughs> always a part of our family. And I think growing up in the home we did, which I have two brothers, and they're very tall as well. Older brothers? Uh, I'm in the middle. So I'm oh, okay. like that middle child well. fighter. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm us. the youngest. <laughs> I'm the one that got away with everything. You got the yeah. middle child syndrome. I'm the one that really like, go stand in goal and just let us kick stuff at you. I'm like, got it. Oh, no, my so. brother did that to me too. <laughs> Put on roller skates and a helmet. We'll push you down the hallway. Okay. Yeah, so that was me. I feel um, like parenting today, that shit does not happen. No. We're like oh, so bubble wrapped our kids. Yeah. I'm like, I've got like a well in the back of my head from like it. a Dukes of Hazard belt buckle. <laughs> Like Dukes all sorts of shit, which would probably be like off market now. But um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I just think athletics was always something that was huge in our family. And, you know, we were talking about watching football or whatever that looks like. And I, I always felt, like I said, my best self when I was playing basketball or playing a sport. That was where I was 100% me. I was fierce. I was, wanted to be aggressive. I loved playing a team sport because I love watching people around me get better, mm-hmm. um, which is something I love doing now. I love watching my clients get better. So there's all these themes kind of run parallel to each other now. And then my dad and my brother both played at Fairfield University. So when I was in high school, you know, I was I was good. I wasn't I wasn't a D1 basketball player by any means. And that's not me cutting myself short. It's just being realistic, you know. And I was like, I'm no, I'm going to Fairfield. I'm going to walk on the team. And my dad was like, okay. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm going to make the team. He's like, okay. So I walked into a locker room in September of my freshman year, and all there was was like a locker that just like had my name and like some scribble that says like E L Y S E. My name's E L I S E. It was just like everything about it just felt like, and eh, <laughs> let's see how this turns out. And I had 14 full scholarship student athletes looking at me like, who the hell is this right now? And the coach, I remember the coach saying like, we're going to give you a week to make the team. And I was Mm. like, okay, well, this is, this is going to go well. I was like, all right. No pressure. Yeah. I look around and I'm like, okay, cool. And then we got on the court and the pace, everything about it was just over my head. And I was like, no, but I'm still not going to let this pass me by. So I just continued to work and continue to work. And I knew in the back of my head, and it wasn't even just like a self-doubt thing. I was like, you're going to make the team, but you're not going to play. And I was okay with that. I was into the role that I was playing, which was kind of part joker, part like team spirit, but also the one who pushed everyone to be better. So for four years, I did take a two a two week hiatus where I quit and just had a meltdown. I was like, I'm done with this. This makes no sense, and joined the team again. But that was junior. That was sophomore year. But I just I wanted to play, and I knew I wanted to play, and I didn't care if it was on the the white team, which is the practice team, because we'd have to wear the white jerseys, or if that was to play three minutes at the end of the game when we were out by 150 points, so I couldn't blow the lead. You know, like, <laughs> nothing, nothing builds not, confidence. Not like, even she okay, can ruin this for us. <laughs> you got it right. I'm like, I got it. Okay. We're in the clear. <laughs> 20 years of sport. Um, so I just embraced that role, and with that, I learned so many things from those lessons because you know I wasn't. When you're a scholarship athlete, you're kind of being paid to be there. There's a ton of that goes into it, but you kind of know that that's going through towards your tuition. And that's kind of like a way to get you to stay as being a student athlete. To me, I was like, why am I showing up if I'm not getting anything out of this? Right. But I knew, and to your point about earlier, like trusting that gut instinctively, I knew I was receiving so much more than the financial side. I knew I was learning lessons. I knew I was getting taught time management, how to get my ass out of bed after being up with my roommates, like all of these things that looking back, I would never, ever, ever change. Yeah. And my junior and senior year, I was actually awarded full scholarship. So the coach was like, you know, you earned it. So this is, and at Fairfield University, I think tuition then was like 42,000. So Holy crap. that was, I That's remember amazing. sobbing yeah. and my dad being like, oh my goodness. So that was huge. This um, is incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. wild. <laughs> what is this? What do I do? Um, but that whole journey just taught me so much about what I already had inside of me. And that kind of kicked off uh, the next steps for me. Cause I knew if I could stand on that team at five, five and make it and just pursue and keep pushing through those four years that I wasn't gonna let anything else get in front of me. So yeah. I've kind of just taken that with me and that's why sport my whole life has been a huge part of it. And that's why it carries on to my career now. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, 
particularly for girls, like mm-hmm. growing up and that connection to your body. Like I always think about, you know, I'll have moments in my life where I'm exercising more or less, but you can feel when you're like out of sync with your physical self. So it doesn't matter what people say about the scale or it doesn't matter, you know, how many miles you can run. Like when you feel like you're not in sync, like Mm -hmm. it's just a very strange feeling to me. I don't think everybody has that. Um, But I do think for girls, particularly when they're younger, when there's so many body issues and body image issues, um, having some athletic skill set can really help to totally. think of your body as less than just what other people are seeing. For sure. And it gives you the confidence too. Yeah. And you learn that like early on, I think. Yeah. And yeah. are you, so how, first of all, how did you two meet? <laughs> um, online dating by way of Facebook. We okay. are true millennials. You really are. <laughs> so for what it's worth, I met my husband over work email, which oh. was in Ooh. 19... God, when was it? No, I think it was like 2001. But at the time, like no one dated online. But my mom kept saying, oh, they met on the Internet. And I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, mom. Like it was so embarrassing. It was but it's, email, mom. it's now something different. But um, and so are, have you are you obviously you're physically fit. But was that like a have you always been physical? Was this like a. You know, oh, we were just talking yeah. about Does it have to night, be yes. to be married to Elise? No, so it's so no. funny because I get that question all the time. And I literally, I think we were talking about this two days ago. Carmen was, I was a track like, star. So, yeah, I ran, I ran, tra- no, 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 I ran track <laughs> in high school. Um, what I was, was your event? Uh, 800 and the four. I spent so hurdles. much time at track meets. I can't oh, even so tell you. Know. you. Okay. Yeah, like eight hours on Sunday, but who's counting? No, yeah. For like four <laughs> minutes of running. Yeah, that's it. That's and then I, I laid down with my son that night. He's like, So what'd you do today? I'm like, Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Staten Island for eight hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And those are really fun events, I'm sure, for parents. Um, No, and I I played basketball, but not at a collegiate level. Uh, I wanted to play basketball. I just wasn't good enough. Um, So I was great at track or whatever. Uh, Had ended up having a knee surgery my senior year. And then that made me just really depressed, to be very honest. Um, I got really down about it because, you know, in track, milliseconds are like everything Everything, and can take months of work to just get your time down. Um, so that kind of fell through. I was actually going to run that to Paul. Oh, um, but to your question, oh, so it, it happened like you were already set, ready yeah, to go. Like and I was ready. And then, back. yeah, injury set me back. And then it, I just kind of got in my own way on that yeah. one. Well, um, that's super devastating. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I actually worry about that with kids, too, when it's particularly in this era where college is increasingly more and more expensive and there's, you know, you have kids who parents who are talking about scholarship when their kids are like learning to crawl. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you get so worried about all these like eggs in one basket. If something happens, like what is the fallback of happening? I had no idea. Like at that point I had to end up applying to, I didn't apply to any other schools. Um, I ended up last minute applying to Florida Atlantic university. It just wasn't even on my radar. Like, they had late admission. I, I got into college at that point and just, yeah, all my eggs were in one basket. But to answer your question, the Sorry. short story <laughs> on that is always been um, athletic as far as like j- just working out and staying in shape and just having that kind of mentality from being in the gym and just like you said, being in tune with your body because I yeah. do think sports does give you that, that kind of like I'm, I'm just something feels out of whack. Like I need to get in and it might yeah. ebb and flow for a lot of women, but I do think that sports does help build that kind of fine foundation, just getting more in tune with your body. Um, so yeah, me and Elise were actually talking about this the other day cause I get it all the time. <laughs> do you work out? Like, does it, how do is you Elise feel? Your yeah. Trainer? Yeah, yeah, is Elise uh-uh. your trainer? I was like, we actually have completely different workout styles, which I think it's funny. Oh, we, interesting. We will work out we work like out next 30 30 percent of the time yeah together um but usually <laughs> she does like more body weight stuff more movements and i'm just like pure like just give me one movement kind of things i'll sit in a chair <laughs> like do some what, dumbbells like a, oh okay just barbell whatever like yeah. just very old school you i mean yes. half the time i go in there and not that she's ashamed of me ever but my outfits i just look like an old dad at the gym just she wears like really big flare gray sweatpants and white socks yeah. and she just owns it i get in there get it done i'm like oh i got my That's... my new set on yeah <laughs> let's go babe yeah and elise is like you know i have the thing she's like always looking really chic whenever she goes into the gym so nice because yeah. that's you know her career it's her and what career, she does yeah 
Um, but yeah, I go in there looking like a hot mess and try not to embarrass her. But then at the end of the day, I don't care. So when you see her working at, so you're not like, cause you're, I mean, your form is ridiculous. Like it makes us all angry. So you're not <laughs> like watching her and like, oh babe, you just want to like, oh, she already that, had, she oh, already I mean, had... I would cut her with my eyes. <laughs> If yeah. she, There's if she some tried lines. to be drawn so on many hard. things. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> if she tried to crack me, I think, but no, she No, and she and she already had such like a foundation before we met. And I'm not saying that was one of the reasons I was attracted to her, but of course it's like, oh, look at that. What goes on here? She's yeah. smart, she can write, she can all these things, and she's in great shape. She clearly works out. Like there's so many things that I was already attracted to her, but she already had that foundation. So yeah. we just I always find it shocking when couples have vastly different exercise habits. <laughs> Right. Like I, and it happens a lot. Right. But yeah. like, you'll have like somebody where the guy's like training for a triathlon and the woman hasn't moved in a decade or like <laughs> vice versa. Yeah. And it amazes me because at least in our family, like athletics is just such a big thing yeah. where like, you just got to do something. We don't care if you're the worst one on the team, but like everybody's got to do something. You've got to move your body. Yep. Um, luckily with my daughter, it's not an issue because she does like 8 million handstands a day. Um, my son's got running, but it's just, it's funny. I, I just can't imagine having, and my husband and I do very different workouts, okay, right? So like he'll box, I'll go to yoga. Yeah. Like it's, we'll do some stuff together, but it's not like, he, he's tried to teach me how to surf and it always ends up like, first of all, he'll give you like the whole history of like the wave <laughs> that's coming and why this is over here and this is a sandbar and that's, and I'm just like, just tell me when to paddle. Just tell me. And then, like, the board hits me. I end up crying on the beach, and I've got bruises on my arm. And it's just like, it's so bad. Yeah. It's a, it's just a place we cannot go to in our relationship. Yeah, the extent of our gym planning is, do you want to go at 9.30 or 10? And then we yeah. get in the car together. Yeah. And then we leave together. And, like, funny, she always tries to get me to run. And I always tell her, don't force me or don't pressure me into running. Yeah. And it's just the funniest thing because she loves to run, and I have always hated it. It was just something that oh, I really? was— really? Yeah. Even for a track? <laughs> Even for crazy. Everyone says that. I just—I never really enjoyed it. It was never my outlet. Um, I was just really good at it. And now I'm trying to get my cardio back up. But she um, definitely, she was like, oh, do you want to go for a run? Very lightly and just gracefully like an angel. And I'll say, you know, don't pressure me into something that <laughs> I'm not ready do it, I'm going to do yet. it. It's like okay. triggering a totally <laughs> yeah. different conversation. Oh, I adjust how I ask now. Yeah. Like, hey, I might go for a light run on Sunday. Do you want to join me? No, I'm going to go when I want to go. Yeah. Or and then it turns into like, oh, well, I'll do a walk run. Now, don't pressure me into I'm not ready to commit to this. And it's only with writing. That's a, it's literally the story of our lives when it comes to just, well, I want to just get a few steps in today. No. no. We did do a 5K together recently. We did. So that's the goal oriented, though. Like the day of a run, that's, that's different than just the general jog in between. Do you... Um, so are you still doing Make Real Sense? Is that still on? So that's an ongoing platform. Ongoing. That is my baby that I like to share now. Like on the other side of debt, we're more so it's sharing content about savings, but still like I hit all of the different areas and aspects of all things personal finance. So it's growing. It's a platform that's continuing to grow. And I'm just really excited to see where it goes from here. So is it, are you establishing a community or is it more resources? Is it both? It's both. Um, the community, I like, uh, I'll do a lot of speaking events now. Yeah. Or not a lot. It's, it's starting to come up a lot more. Um, but just building a community and then I do like coaching and stuff like that on the side and then also resource building. So I'll, whatever I use that makes sense for me, make real sense. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, whatever makes sense for me, I'll put it out there for other people to, to use. Yeah. And, you know, like, Hey, this is a proven thing. It worked for me. This is how I did it. You should do it too. This is your style. I mean, yeah. um, there's so many people in this personal finance space, but it's, I think it all depends on who you relate to best. Yeah. Uh, but either way, just, you know, I'm a big advocate of just getting the help that you need in order to turn your financial situation around. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting topic too, because so many people are just saddled with debt and that's how they live. And I talk a lot about kind of people's emotional relationship with money because we all were raised in different households and likely our parents, if there were two of them also had different relationships with money growing up and you know, parents have different spending habits that you see as a child and you see how it influences their mental health or their happiness. And, um, 
it's just really interesting. And then you partner up with somebody that's also had these other multiple data points of a relationship with money. And it just, you can see it as this huge ball of, of, you know, just kind of a convoluted mess, but the most critical thing, particularly when you're buying a house or you're, you know, working together, you're managing a business, you're running your career, um, all of those things kind of play in. So how do you guys, so if you guys are both running your own entrepreneurial stuff at home, like, do you have a rigid schedule? Like when I do stuff at home, cause I have my day job and then I have the podcast and some of the stuff I do at the platform outside. And I just kind of feel like I'm always working. Um, how do you guys approach that? <laughs> ah. This question. <laughs> um, we could stop now. No, which is great. <laughs> Honeymoon phase, right, babe? And um, now it's over. Right? No, I, after tonight is no, when no, this, the this, real, gotta, this question gotta, moves into like just We got a train ride home yeah. to talk about this. <laughs> I would say we have learned a lot the last year, two years about each other, about how we work and about how to balance our relationship and what works best for us. I would say we'd hit a stride definitely in the past couple months of kind of allocating time for us, our one-on-one time and our relationship, as well as never interfering with what our goals and dreams are together and separately. So we kind of find that groove. And, you know, we had talked about it when Carmen was working in finance that she didn't get to do a job she loved, which allowed her to work on her side hustle. Mm -hmm. And she made that very clear. And I appreciate that because I do love what I do. So it's easy for me to edit on the train. It's easy for me to create. It's I'm naturally filled with moments of me wanting to express what I'm doing day to day, but also to my entrepreneurial stuff. So for me, it's a lot of work, but it comes really naturally. And it just, I kind of just let it flow through me, which allows me to take time away at home a little bit more. Mm. I still work a ton on the weekends. I still edit like crazy. There's always, I think everyone views at this point, like social media is like, oh, that's cool. It just kind of happened overnight. Like the back end work that goes into our platforms, I mean, it's got to be an extra 20 hours a week almost. And we're both working full time. So I don't just do quote unquote social media. Like I work full time and I do that on top of it. So I to say back to your question, we do work a lot. We do work a lot on the weekends, but I think we find a way to always know when it's time to shut it down and say, let's go to a movie. Let's go to dinner. Let's phones upstairs, whatever that looks like, because we know that we are our best version in work and we are our best version in our relationship when we take time together. So when we run into these like tornadoes, which we can, and where we just have so much stuff to do independently that all of a sudden our connection might be a little off, which is going to happen. but. That doesn't translate well at work, right? So I think we found like a good groove. I'm yeah, to, love to hear Carmen's to, side on this. So it's not like all heart stars and rainbows, right? Like no. we, no? It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but just this is working it, like happy yeah. life. Rebrand. I mean, just to keep happy it real. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to keep it real. Um, to what Elise had said, like in the beginning when we were trying to find our grooves with the platforms, it was something literally I couldn't work on at all at work. So to be able to grow it Mm. out, it was early mornings for me, the couple of hours before work. And then all I had was the time after work and the weekends. That's it. Um, You know, because when I'm at my desk in finance and kind of everyone's looming over each other and you have to be obviously doing what you're supposed to be doing and getting paid to do. Right. Yeah. Um, So we, uh, initially that was a little rocky for us to kind of work out because again, Elise has a little bit of a looser schedule as far as like being able to edit and, um, not being like time checked as far as a boss standing over her, like, you know, getting, you have to get this done. You have to get this done. So there was more pockets for her to be able to work on stuff outside of her full-time stuff, um, to build out her career. And then that's when we, in, in the beginning, it was a little rough. Like we were trying to figure that out because I can definitely be a workaholic. I mm-hmm. think that's just my natural default where at least can unplug a little bit easier. Um, so we found a groove now that I think has been working really well. Um, I'm still trying to get up early in the morning to work out stuff just so well, I can make sure. Well, she's got a 4 a.m. alarm yeah, she for got, you. She has a 4 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, most of the time now I can't go back to sleep, but um, that's a great opportunity for me to get up and get things done. <laughs> things go to the start gym. early. Yeah. <laughs> things start early. And then that frees up time on the way home. And then now with our commute, um, that helps as well. So sometimes, yeah. It's so interesting, at least when you were saying that because this is such a passion for what you do, that's actually easier for you to unplug. I was expecting that to go the complete opposite way. 
where it's <clears throat> I just I feel like you have like a very um like a healthy sense of control over it. Like there will mm-hmm. always be more to do and it will get done and and kind of I know where this is going so I can stop now. Yeah, 100%. And it took me a while to get to that place, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it took me to be 100% on my own to really find that stride and that groove. And the early parts of my career, I would just take on anyone at any time. And they could be a rude client. They could be a late client. They could be anyone. And now at this point, I, I say it all the time, I'm so grateful that I have people in my life that I've had for eight, nine, 10 years, clients just on rotation that are the same people that came to the wedding. And I just, I'm so familiar with my schedule at this point that I know the pockets of when I need to stop at Starbucks or when I need to work out or what everything looks like in my day. Although it could be a day where I have 10 working hours or five working hours. I really focus on my schedule the night before and going into the morning of what it looks like. And I balance it out. And I know myself and I always say that I want my 6 a.m. to be treated the way my 6 p.m. is. Like There is no, I never want to be tired or not fully 100% myself for any of my sessions. Everyone mm. deserves a, a full, consistent 110% me. One, they're paying a premium to do so. And two, I pride myself on having a very strong work ethic. I'm yeah. in, in the classes. Like I never want to be like, oh, at least seems tired and a bad mood. Like it I, needs to be consistent. It's so like, funny that you say that because I literally had that thought last week. Did I seem where, tired? No, because <laughs> I think I came to the early class, which I mm-hmm. didn't normally do. And I was like, no, she's not like walking around yawning. She's not like, like no, you don't and phone I, it in. I ever. In order to have high retention and be uh, professional in your craft, I think that's so important. So in order for me to do that while also maintaining a healthy relationship and friendships and also my social media platform, it's going to involve me to really take a macro look at my schedule and know where I need to recharge, know where I need to get shit done, know where I need to respond to emails because all of a sudden everything could just spiral out of control and I'll have 100 emails left unread and I'll have influencer marketing stuff due the next morning and I won't have anything done. And actually this year, as of September, I started working from home on Thursdays, which was a huge step for me because when I first started, I only knew, I mean, in fitness, you can work seven days a week. You can work 10 sessions a day. You can just run yourself into the ground. And that's what I knew it as. That's what I viewed success in this career when I first started. Now to me, it's just about working smarter. So on Thursdays, I sleep in more. I get my laundry done. I create all the content I want to create for that week. Um, there's just so many back end things that I need to do to hold myself at a high level all the time. And I think it's important once you understand what those things are, whether it's sleep, whether it's your workout, whether it's your Sunday morning run, whatever that looks like, it's going to allow everything else to be really fluid and just yeah. kind of come natural. I'm very routine oriented with my schedule. What time I call in my egg white bites from Starbucks. Like everything about me is very structured. Like I know you call the, them and then go pick them up. Oh, no I, time I do to a wait. Dri- no, no time no, no. in the I do a drive by. I actually yeah. order them at Harlem 125th Station. By the time I get to Grand Central, they are hot and ready. Well, I was just going to say you're very suburban, but this is a city thing. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. 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 Efficiency wow. and yes. speed. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's no doubt that that's how you operate because that's how you present yourself in terms <laughs> of your workouts and everything. And it, it's just it's inspirational because you're you're hitting on some key tenets of success and its boundaries and like knowing when you're at your best and being okay with when you're not. And so how do you make those things work for you so that you can sustain the performance that you want to have? Um, and I think that's a really insightful lesson for us to wrap up on. Um, I am so thrilled that we made this happen and to meet two badass entrepreneurs and a lovely couple that have lots of lessons and things that they can share with one another and with our listeners. So thank you both so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. And check out Make Real Sense and Elise's Body Shop so you can get financially fit, physically fit, mentally fit. (laughs) All of the things. things. All of the things. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in for our conversation in Newsstand Studios at Rock Center. Lots more to come every Tuesday. So head on over to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss anything. Please feel free to leave us a review to give us some direct feedback and also to help get the podcast in front of more eyes and ears. We really appreciate your support. Until next time. 